in this new talk we try to deepen the thoughts we already uh, had this morning the thoughts uh, laid out during the first two talks in the morning and about we spoke about the mass the, our topic is the mass the holy sacrifice of the mass we spoke about the Mass in itself, the mystery that we celebrate, the memorial of Jesus' passion and death, represented in each uh, liturgical celebration. And then, in the second talk, we spoke about the spirituality of the Mass, how to make that mystery work uh, in, in my life. Now, let us carry on, right uh, from what we have uh, from that point, this the last talk this morning, to uh, see even in more details the spirituality of the Mass, how to transform that uh, mystery, how to make that mystery active and uh, present in our own life. In other words, how to make the Mass our own life. Christian life. The, let's also keep in mind the concept of sacrifice, of which we have spoken, yes, sacrifice is very central, sacrifice is to transform something from being natural, human, into something set apart only for God, given exclusively to Him, and the best image of a sacrifice is the sacrifice of the Mass, the Eucharistic sacrifice. Let us also clarify this. The sacrifice is one. Christ uh, suffered and died for us once and forever. The Mass is not another sacrifice and each Mass is not always a new sacrifice because it is the um, representation, which means to make present now, the representation of the only sacrifice of Calvary. Although we also believe that the Mass itself is a sacrifice. The Mass is a sacrifice because there is an offering, there is an oblation, there is a consummation of the oblation, the transubstantiation, the Mass in itself is, is a sacrifice, a Eucharistic sacrifice, representing, making present the only sacrifice of salvation. As the Magisterium teaches, the sacrifice of Golgotha was uh, a sorrowful one. Jesus suffered for us. The sacrifice of the Holy Mass is an unbloody sacrifice. Jesus does not suffer anymore because he is risen, he is alive, he is glorious. But the Mass, the Mass, insofar as it represents, makes present the sacrifice of the cross, it is indeed a sacrifice. So the sacrifice is uh, uh, the concept, like a guideline to help, help, to help us understand the mystery of the Mass. So, in the last talk we said that if we understand the Mass not as a simple mere meal, supper, 
because the mass, we said, has never been defined as Sape up to Luther. Luther is the first one calling the mass as Sape. The Church has always understood and the Mass as the celebration of the sacrifice of the cross. And we become, we said, partakers of this sacrifice when we come to share in Jesus' uh, precious body and blood through Holy Communion. We become partakers of Christ's uh, divine sacrifice. So, the Mass is this uh, celebration and we said that the best way to participate is to see the sequence of the Mass as Jesus going into his passion and death. Yes, let us recall this to mind. Jesus uh, coming out of the upper room where he instituted the, the mystery of the Holy Eucharist, going into the Garden of Gethsemane, the procession of the Mass starting, the entrance procession, Jesus agonizing for us, the beginning of the Mass, Jesus already uh, praying for us in order to expiate all our sins. We beg our Lord at the very beginning of Mass that he may forgive all our sins. Jesus being arrested, being scourged, crowned with thorns, Jesus uh, loaded with the cross, the lamb is ready to be sacrificed. The lamb is uh, taken up on, uh, to the Calvary, to this altar of the cross, the offertory of Mass. The lamb is uh, prepared. The oblations are offered to God in preparation of, their, of being sacrificed, that is, of being uh, consummated transubstantiated, transformed. This is the, the, the making of the sacrifice. Something offered up to God has to be interiorly changed, right? In order to become an offering of uh, sweet odor. As we said this morning, reflecting also on the prayer of the offertory in the Old, in the old Mass. So, that Jesus is ready to be, to be uh, uh, lifted up on the altar of the cross. And he is lifted up when he is crucified and dies on the cross. This is the moment of the consummation. It is consummated. You remember Jesus from the cross crying and saying it is consummated. <clears throat> And uh, he breathed his last. So this is the moment when the sacrifice is accomplished, the holy, the transubstantiation has taken place. And then finally, so preparation, following Jesus, accompanying Jesus through his sorrowful passion up to the point of his final immolation. Now Jesus is immolated. He is the Lamb. The Lamb who has redeemed us, has rescued us. Jesus died for us. In order to prove that his passion and death were salvific, 
in a sense, to prove he rose from the dead because he is God. So we said with this resurrection, with this resurrection, the the sacrifice of the Lamb is a a sacrifice which gives us life because Jesus, the one who died for us, is is alive. So, with his resurrection, that sacrifice is uh, always the remains always a sacrifice of salvation. And while Jesus is ascending now into heaven, that sacrifice, which is his own person, his glorified body that Jesus offered up on the cross, body and blood, in his risen body, are taken up into heaven. The sacrifice now is uh, in heaven, sitting. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father. And from heaven, Jesus intercedes for us. Yes? So the sacrifice of Christ is in heaven. Which means the sacrifice of Christ is perennially present. Sacrifice is present. It's present every time we celebrate Mass. So the sacrifice is alive. The Lamb is uh, in heaven, interceding for us. And we, we, uh, when we celebrate the Mass, actually, the Mass is the memorial of that sacrifice, living sacrifice. So the, the Paschal mystery is a unity of passion, death and resurrection. And because of the resurrection, the Mass can be celebrated and the Mass can be the same sacrifice of the cross, although celebrated sacramentally in an unbloody manner. Are you with me? Because of the resurrection, the sacrifice celebrated in the Mass is the only one sacrifice of the cross that has saved us, but that now is present. The liturgy makes that uh, historical event, the Calvary, present now when the Mass is celebrated. Right for the reason, for this reason, the sacrifice is in heaven, is perennially present, and it becomes temporal, so to speak, enters our time, this time today, tomorrow, when we celebrate the Mass, because of the liturgy, joining the t- our time with eternity. And the eternity enters this time. And this is possible, why? Because Jesus is beyond this time. Jesus is in heaven. Jesus is into his eternity. With this eternity, with this uh, uh, resurrection and ascension, the sacrifice is uh, always a living one, always giving us life. It gives us life when we come to, to, to pray in the liturgy so that that sacrifice is uh, 
gives us life. So the liturgy has this important role in our faith, to join together eternity with our time, and our time with eternity. All right? So, when we receive Holy Communion, we receive the precious body and blood of our Lord, the precious body and blood of the risen Lord. Yes? Why can we receive the body and blood of Jesus as a living bread? I am the living bread, the bread of life. Because Jesus is uh, still in the sepulchre, because Jesus was buried, died and was buried, and uh, this was his end? No, of course. It is because of his resurrection, because he's alive. We can receive the bread of life because Jesus is risen. And the resurrection is communicated to us, actually, right in this mystery, in the mystery of Holy Communion. We receive Holy Communion because, because Jesus is risen, because Jesus is alive. Can we close it? <clears throat> Jesus is alive. So if we understand the Mass in this way, by joining Jesus, by uh, participating in his mystery and accompanying Jesus, Right. So, if we if we leave the mass, if we celebrate the mass with this uh, awareness that we have to follow Jesus to accompany Him during His uh, passion, death resurrection, and then become partakers of this mystery by uniting ourselves with him in the Holy Eucharist, received as Holy Communion, <coughs> this makes a big change. The first change it makes is about the way we understand and live our participation in the Mass. The word participation is very important. Even Vatican II highlights the importance of active participation. This is one of the main uh, reasons why the Sacrosanctum Concilium was written, actually, and uh, the, ref the reform of the liturgy was made, to make people, to make the faithful participate actively. But there is a question to be answered, but what does it mean? to actively participate in the Mass. When do we actively participate? The point is, first of all, we understand participation, to take part in the Mass, not to be just spectators or people uh, who go to a simple, just to watch a show, 
and uh, to be completely distant from the drama that is played on the altar. No, this is not the way to participate. But as while we understand more what participation is, we might not understand what actively, actively, to be actively participating, lively, actively, what does it mean? It is a word. Yeah? When you try to live it and happening in your own life. Correct. To actively. Uh, something that you have to, from the word act, to act, right? Which is a... You do something. You do something. Yeah. Correct. But this is quite tricky and risky, because if we understand, as we normally do, because actively comes from to act, to do something, right? If we understand actively, right, only as to do something, we run the risk of misunderstanding the participation because we see the participation only on this level, the level of doing something. So I participate if I do, if I act. And I act if I respond, if I understand, if I also physically do something. Uh, do the reading, do the collection, and uh, give the chalice to the people uh, and respond and uh, possibly help myself at Holy Communion. I'm actively participating. But is this the case? Is this the meaning of active participation? To be active. Active means not to be passive, right? To do something and not to, to suffer something to be uh, just receiving something. You, you have to make something. But this is the point. And this is the main question of liturgy. When do we actively participate? We should see the active participation always as uh, a way to mirror, so to speak, the mystery that we celebrate, the sacrifice of Christ. So let's go back to the mystery of the sacrifice to understand the active participation. The sacrifice of Christ is an innocent, inward attitude of the Lord and then it is an outward uh, action, attitude. The sacrifice has two aspects. One is internal, the other one is external. Internal is the main, the, the one which is the, the first, uh, is the, the, the first aspect, because there is no external aspect of the sacrifice without this internal one. So the internal aspect is the obedience of Christ to God's will. An internal act of obedience. Jesus became a sacrifice for our salvation. When? When he obeyed God's will and said, Here I am. I come to do your will. And Jesus obeyed. The Father's will was incarnate. 
And Jesus obeyed, again, the Father's will in the garden of Gethsemane when he had to drink that bitter cup. Jesus was praying that that cup might pass from him, but not as I want, but as you, Father, uh, want. And Jesus had to obey because he knew that the Father's will was that he uh, uh, drank that bitter cup for the salvation of mankind, and he did it. So, this is a sacrifice. It's an act of interior obedience to God's will. How can we offer a sacrifice? When we obey God's will. When we unite our soul with God's will. And we accept it. We embrace it. Yes? We also said that normally we understand sacrifice as a way to uh, offer up only unpleasant, unpleasing, uh, unpleasant situations. Because we don't know what to do with this stuff. The only way to get rid of something which is uh, not comfortable is all right. So we have to offer it up. No. The very first movement in the oblation, in the offering of a sacrifice, is this interior acceptance. Lovable acceptance of God's will. Because God's will is my salvation. God, the Father's will, was our salvation. And Jesus obeyed the Father's will for our own salvation. But this costed a lot. This costed his sorrowful passion and death. To be ground, we said, in his uh, uh, passion and death. To become, to become... Uh, the Holy Eucharist, this bread of life. <clears throat> so, an interior aspect, and then there is an exterior level aspect, which is what? From the internal obedience to say, yes, I want to do your will, I do your will, Jesus offered himself, gave his body to be, to be crucified and offered up his blood for us to be uh, washed away of all our sins. But without the will moving Jesus, without his freedom, obeying God's will and moving him, there is no offering, there is no uh, oblation of his body and blood. This is the case when we uh, want to do something for God. If we do not make up our mind, that is, if we do not want to be, to do God's will, we don't do anything for God. First, we have to change our mind, we said, yes? Conversion is a change of mind, metanoia, which means a change of my soul, my inner life, my person, my ego. Where is your ego? And your ego is your soul, is your intelligence. Your ego is your will. Right? We have to, to change this ego. And then 
we come to offer something to God. That situation, that uh, pain, that even joy, anything can become a sacrifice. As long as it is made sacred, that is given to God. So, if we understand this double dimension of the sacrifice of Christ, we understand also the active participation. Active participation has to match this uh, double dimension of the sacrifice of Christ. Active cannot only be something exterior, doing, running, running, and trying to take the first, all the, the, the most important jobs in the liturgy in order to do something visibly important. No. The active participation has to be interior, first and foremost, and then exterior. Yes? So, active interior, active participation is that you go to Mass to be with Christ, with your heart into his heart. You want to be drawn into his heart. That's why you go to Mass to follow Jesus through his passion and death up until the moment he is condemned to death and dies for us. And then you follow him and you embrace him when you receive him in Holy Communion. So the active is first interior. It is your mind, your intelligence, your will, united with the mystery you are celebrated. But again, let, let's say it again. If I do not understand the Mass as the sacrifice of the cross, but, the, the cross, but uh, just as the Last Supper, the institution, the representation of the Last Supper, of course I cannot unite myself, my soul, to the mystery I'm celebrating. I can unite my soul to that gathering only and try to participate as best I can in that gathering. But it is always something superficial, exterior, in the end. The very first aspect, then, of this uh, participation is interior. It is the union of your will with Jesus' will. So basically, where does this union lead? This interior union with Christ lead? To become yourself, each one of us, when we stay at Mass, another sacrifice in Christ. So the interior participation, active, but first interior participation, leads us to become a living sacrifice in Christ. So basically, to offer up ourselves. Interior and then exterior. Exterior participation means the offering we said, of, of not only of something, of the oblates, uh, bread and wine, the collections, uh, but the offering of our own self. 
And of course, in this exterior participation, there is also the, the way I understand the Holy Mass, understand the texts of the Holy Mass. I can understand, I can respond for what is concerning myself. I can respond the, to the Mass and uh, the way I do something according to my own status, according to my own uh, degree of uh, participation in the Mass. So what I, want, what I wish to, to say is that this active participation is an interior movement of the soul trying to be completely united with Christ. And so if you become one soul with the Lord, you become yourself a sacrifice in Christ and you participate in the Mass properly. Even if you do not understand each single word, you cannot respond uh, at any acclamation or at any uh, moment of the Mass. You still participate. The problem is with the new Mass and uh, this reform of the liturgy, the, the active participation has been normally understood as a way to make the people uh, understand almost everything. Uh, and also to uh, trying to make the people more participants by giving them more roles to play in the liturgy. But the question is always this. Even if I understand word by word, because it is in my language, what is prayed in the Mass, do I understand the mystery I'm celebrating? I'll give you an example. When we read the Holy Scriptures during the Mass in English, and we read, say, uh, the Gospel of St. John, the Gospel today that we read today, Jesus is the one who has to be lifted up. When I will be lifted up, I will draw everyone to me. If you read it in your language, do you immediately understand the meaning? Or you have to focus yourself on that Gospel, on the whole of the Gospel of St. John, and to see also that Gospel in... Uh, also in reference to the book of Exodus, where Moses was lifting up the serpent in the desert, right, in order to heal the people, uh, bite by the, by the serpents, right? It is not easy. You have to have a knowledge of comprehension of the whole scripture, actually. And you have to come into also the interior aspect of the Holy Scripture. So what I want to say is that it is not easy, it is not enough to understand the, the, the meaning of the words you say, we read, or we proclaim in the liturgy, to understand the Mass. But in any case, the understanding is an interior aspect. It is your soul 
that has to come into that understanding. So it is not enough to just make people hear everything. Because another, another complaint about the old right mass was that the mass was almost in, uh, said in silence and was just said by the priest, was something made by the priest for himself and the people were left alone in the pews and uh, people were doing something else while the priest was uh, praying for himself. So the silence was something mm, accepting this new mentality of actively, uh, but, uh, of this active participation in the Mass. But after, uh, say, 50 years of active new participation, can we say that we have understood the mystery of the Mass? How many people come to Mass? Have we favored a more participation of people, or instead people have left the Mass? Although they were able to see and understand everything and respond to each the more we try, actually, this is quite unusual, but the more we try to involve the people in the liturgy, the more the people turn their back on the church and go and leave the church, leave the congregation. The more we try to transform the Mass into a social moment, the easier people flee and uh, leave the church. And this is the case with many of our parishes almost empty. Why? This at least says that participation is not the, just the mechanic, material, understanding of the texts, of hearing and being able to respond and so on. So the problem is that we have become more, in a sense, materialistic and have left aside the spirit of the liturgy. The spirit of the liturgy is this interior participation. Let's, for example, give an, uh, uh, say this about the silence which was accused to, turn, uh, to put people off and uh, people were not able to, to understand anything. One of the main accusations I heard uh, from, a, I think, from a priest or even from a bishop is the fact that while the priest was praying the Mass, saying the Mass, there were men at the very end of the church, at the very last pew, reading their newspaper. So the Mass had to be changed and the silence has to be taken out in order to make that that uh, those people at the very uh, end of the church hear and participate of course if a person comes to the mass to read the newspaper means that he has no intention 
at all to to be in the mass. I never saw that, but I did see people saying the rosary. Saying the rosary. Actually, we should say that to say in the old mass, to say the rosary is not something wrong. It was encouraged also in order to help people concentrate on the mysteries, on the mystery of the Mass, and possibly to pray, for example, the sorrowful mysteries, in order to follow Jesus, as we said, uh, through his passion and death. But of course it is also true that the Magisterium, the more recent Magisterium, starting with Pius XII, encouraged people not to pray the Rosary, but uh, to pray the Mass, even before Pius X. The best way to be in the Mass and to pray during the Mass is to pray the Mass, to pray with the words of the Mass. But this did not mean to uh, change the way the Mass was celebrated in order to make the people pray the Mass. Of course, the people had to be encouraged to, and then this is the reason why by the 1930s we had the first hand missile, Roman hand missile for the people. These uh, hand missiles came by the 1920s, 1930s, in order to help the people see the Latin and the English and to follow. And this is the reason why the participation was encouraged to, to understand to follow precisely the text. And even people were uh, exhorted by the Magisterium to read the texts of the Mass. That's why it happened to me, sometimes in Italy, to have some old ladies repeating what I was saying in the Mass. I was not understanding why these, these people are, they seem to concelebrate with me. And they were saying the same thing, the canon. Even the consecration, they were repeating the words of consecration. Then I discovered why. Because before, they were exhorted to read the text of the Mass, in order to pray with the words of the Mass, which is correct. But the problem is always about participation. Yes? And the, it is also about the importance of silence in the Mass. Because I can, as it happens nowadays, I can see whatever is happening, even because now we are facing the people, right? I can see everything. Uh, it, just a little episode that took place in Italy uh, many years ago. I was in Florence and... Uh, when the, the, the motto proprius moro pontificum came out and I tried to, to bring the people to celebrate the Mass ad Orientem, facing the, the cross and facing the Lord. And uh, we used to have an altar towards the people, but then afterwards I tried to, to teach the people to, to pray this way. A sister, a religious sister, came up to me to say, Father, this is, this is not all right, because we want to see what is happening on the altar. If you turn the back on us, we can't see anything. So, in the mind of this uh, 
celebration, versus populum, towards the people, there is, first of all, the fact that we have to see even what is happening on the altar. You don't need even only to hear, but you want also to see. But is this participation, is that enough to participate, to see and to hear and to respond? When, if there is no silence, if there is no interior participation, when do we understand, try to come into uh, the, that mystery that we are celebrating, so we cannot get rid so easily of the silence and of this interior participation. The interior participation comes always first. The interior participation is, is the right way to actively participate. Because I participate actively when I'm aware that I have to become one soul with the Lord. Yes, I have to unite myself with Christ and to become what Christ became for me. So, in conclusion, we can, when do we participate actively? Again, it is fine that we understand and respond that the readings are translated so that we can grasp the meaning of the scriptures. But in general, when do we fully participate in a Mass? when we make our own the mystery of the Mass. And the mystery of the Mass is the sacrifice of Christ. When do we participate properly? When we become what the Mass is. When we become ourselves a sacrifice to the Lord. Yes? So let's also understand the Mass as a way to join Jesus in his passion and death by becoming one soul with him. So we can pray, we can follow the text, we can read the text of the Mass in order to, to participate. But uh, there is always a priority to be respected. This internal union with the Lord. A spiritual attitude when we come to Mass. So the spiritual life is necessary in order to be at Mass. If there is no spiritual life, no spiritual inward attitude, the Mass is something just said and uh, perhaps forgotten after I have celebrated that Mass. So it is important we come to Mass with this spiritual interior attitude to be one soul with the Lord. So in order to be one soul with the Lord, I have to live the Mass in my life. How? By preparing myself so I want to follow Jesus in his footsteps. From the, the moment he left the upper room, went into the garden, agonized for me, up to the moment he is on the cross, up to the moment he is risen and gives me life. 
So I want to follow Jesus in all these moments. How? By preparing myself, preparing my soul. Then uniting myself with Jesus in his sorrowful passion, possibly meditating on the passion of our Lord. And with my meditation, I become always more interiorly united with Jesus because I want to share in his passion and death. I want to ask for some of his uh, pains in order to be completely united with him. So I prepare myself with my prayer when I go to Mass. Yes, I have to pray a bit in order to be attentive. Distractions might come and uh, just uh, trouble us with a lot of thoughts. Uh, but some preparation is necessary in order to be present with your soul. Not only with your body, but with your soul to be present when we celebrate the Mass. So I prepare myself, so I have to offer myself, and then I have to immolate myself, following the same steps of the Holy Mass. Preparing myself, offering myself at the moment of offertory, becoming one little host with Jesus. My life can become one of those little hosts to be consecrated in the Mass. On the pattern, the priest is lifting up to offer to God, you can place also yourself. This is the way to participate in the Mass. When you understand that the offertory is not only to give to God something, but it is to give to God myself, my life, my love. Everything is mine. So I place myself on that pattern in order to be offered to God and to be sacrificed to Him. At the moment of the transubstantiation, at the moment of this change of substance, consecration, I have to, with Jesus, I want to become a new person. I want to be transformed into a new creation. This is the, the way the Mass is truly effective. So I place on that pattern myself, my troubles, my pains, my joys, especially whatever is all right in my life, everything. I place my life, all my worries, my plans, everything, what I have, what I wish, in order to offer to Jesus everything. And then, in the consecration, when the, the, the bread is turned into the body, my life is turned into an offering accepted by God. My life is transformed into a new holy 
Eucharist. In this way, we become, with our own life, another holy Eucharist. This is to be Christians, to become a living Eucharist. That is transforming our life into Jesus. Okay? Yes. And is this job too difficult? to be a sacrifice or better to say is this something not biblical or too much devotional to become a sacrifice or too much uh, representing the old-fashioned Christianity always mourning always concentrated on penance and sacrifice but the new Christianity which has which was born a few years ago is joy, resurrection, and uh, the way we always stand in the Mass, if you see now, in some churches you don't have any more the kneelers, not because the parish priest doesn't have any more money to pay for the kneelers, but because, because there is a new mentality, the people have to stand. Why? Because we are risen. Jesus is reason, no more the cross, no more the death, no more sacrifice, no, everything is left behind. Jesus is reason, we start a new life, the life of the resurrection. But the point is, how can you, you, be reason without dying with Christ? Can you be reason without passing through his passion and death? No. In the liturgy, you can't be reason. The resurrection is a pledge of eternal life. You can be reason. You can share in that condition if you go through the passion and death of our Lord. That's why in the liturgy you have to kneel. We have to kneel, possibly. There are moments when we are required to go down on our knees in order to signify this uh, union with Christ in his passion and death. And also at the moment of the holy, at the moment of holy communion, we have to possibly kneel down in order to signify this, uh, this moment when we become one soul with the Lord. If we have been sacrificed ourselves, transformed into a sacrifice, accepted by God, we are humbling ourselves, we kneel down to be raised up by Christ. It is Christ who makes us uh, right. Yes? Not our own strength, our own capacity. We have to kneel in order to raise, to rise. We have to go down in order to be risen with Christ. We have to be sacrificed in order to be brought up into heaven as a living person, as Jesus is the living sacrifice. Right? So the, the meaning of sacrifice, of abasement, of uh, humiliation, uh, going down is still something important.